You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. So glad to come to you now with this podcast in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we're calling today's program, Michael, Good Question, because we are going to be posing a couple of questions mm. today. I'll just say what they are. Are you the Messiah? The question that was put to John the Baptist. And the second question that we'll deal with in the second half of the program, how can we worship in a world of worry? Good conversation to come here today. But how are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing pretty well. I'm d- down here in uh, Fernvale, Tennessee, with seven inches of snow on the ground and a fire in the fireplace. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I think it's fun. What when was the last time you had that much snow in Nashville? You know, I can't remember. It it snows a couple of inches, you know, every year, but not this much. It doesn't take much to shut us down, though. Okay, I'll send my snowblower down yeah. to you, Michael. How's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, as we begin here today, I do want to draw attention to our featured resource this month, the CSB Bible, Every Day with Jesus. We'll have more to say about that, and there's a special discount available now for that CSB Bible. So more about that coming up on today's program in just a moment. But I have a couple of listener comments that came to us, Mike, so let's open up with these. Uh, First of all, Janice says, thank you, Mike, Joe, and Wayne. Joe's our producer for making a podcast episode just for me, she says. I hate to burst her bubble, but it's for everyone. First off, Mike, she says, I have your song Jubilee in my bones. I know it so well that I could be one of your background singers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you taking auditions, Mike? Absolutely. (laughs) Next, she refers to the program where Joe joined us in the studio, talking about his prison ministry and what he shares with inmates. She says it really helped her refer this to a close friend Mm. whose 19-year-old son is awaiting conviction Mm. and trial in prison. So Mm. glad that was meaningful. And then she says there was Don Cole, the late Don Cole, and the topic of topics, the return of Christ. I think now when I wake up each morning, instead of saying, good morning, Lord, I will now add, is it today, Jesus? Mm. Then she signs her note, Maranatha, pronounced correctly, of course, she says, Maranatha. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, what an encouraging word. And then I have a second one. This one comes from a listener named Joe, who says, is the story behind the song, could it be published somewhere? I'm most interested in Michael's meaning behind, could it be that the questions tell us more than answers ever could? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Then we'll ask you to sing the song, Mike. Well, I I, I just recently read something where uh, someone had counted all the questions that Jesus asks. He asks over 300 questions, and he answers like four of them. He answers four of them. Really? And the point is, Jesus uses questions to say things. Uh, you really can say more with a question sometimes than you can with just a statement because a, a question makes someone engage. Um, uh, it, it doesn't just spoon feed them the answer. And I think that's what I was thinking when, uh, when I said that questions can tell us more than answers ever do. Uh, a question can be a great vehicle for teaching people something. Well, let's hear it now as you put it in that song. Could it be Steve Mikesell plays bass? Ken Lewis, percussion. Here's Michael in the studio. Then we'll talk about John the Baptist. Could it be? In the ebb and flow of living As we wander through the years We're told to listen 
listen to a voice we can't hear with our ears. They say to live by something that you can't see with your eyes. Is there really any purpose to this foolish exercise? Could it be you make your presence known so often by your absence? Could it be the questions tell us more than answers ever do? Could it be that you would really rather die than live without us? Could it be the only answer that means anything is you? In our words and in our silence, in our pride and in our shame, to the genius and the scholar, to the foolish and insane, to the ones who care to seek you, and to the ones who never will, you are the only answer, even still. more than answers ever do. Could it be that you would really rather die than live without us? Could it be the only answer that means anything is you? Could it be the only answer that means anything thank our listener Joe for bringing attention to that song today, Could It Be? Well, I know you've been uh, personally studying a little bit about John the Baptist recently, Michael. Let's mm-hmm. talk about John the Baptist. And the question posed, of course, is, are you the Messiah? Yeah. Well, J- John obviously is is a, a, a major player. Uh, the ministry of Jesus begins with John the Baptist in all four Gospels, in Matthew 3, in Mark 1, verse 2. You know, the second verse in the Gospel of Mark is about John the Baptist <laughs> in Luke 3 and in John 1, yeah. 6. So the sixth verse. So the, the ministry of Jesus always, always begins. And even, even when Peter and Paul preach about Jesus in Acts, uh, they begin with John the Baptist. They refer to him. So he is he's the person yeah. who really set the tone. Yeah, except we don't think much about, at least I don't think much about John the Baptist, though. We just kind of skirt over that, don't we? I mean, I do. I don't want to speak for everyone listening, but. Well, I, I mean, I think we tend to, in general, the scriptures, we tend to skim over things. But uh, you, you, I think you constantly have to stop and and listen to the text, like Bill Lane would say, at the level of your imagination. And I think the question with John, when John talks about preparing the way, what does that mean? I mean, and and what that means, uh, he, he prepares the way by by telling people they need to repent. I mean, what's the best way to get ready to meet Jesus? Is to realize that you <laughs> you are a sinner and you need to re- be re- uh, you need to repent. And what I find interesting is you have people in the Gospels falling down, repenting. 
in front of Jesus. You have someone like Peter saying, you know, get away from Luke 6, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Why does Peter say that? He's heard the preaching of John the Baptist. He realized mm-hmm. he realizes there's only one place, you know, that uh, that he he has to come, and that's to the feet of Jesus. So I think John, you know, John did his his uh, his mission uh, perfectly uh, perfectly well. But uh, he he's a fascinating person. He's he's looked upon as this Elijah that who is to come. Jesus has this long talk, I think, in Matthew 11 about John. Uh, he, he, no one born of a woman is, you know, like John the Baptist. I mean, how would you like Jesus to say something like that about you? <laughs> uh, but Bill Lane used to say, uh, he comes from the wilderness like Elijah. He's dressed like Elijah. Um, he eats locusts and honey like Elijah. He has the message of Elijah from second Kings repent for the kingdom is coming. So he really is. The Elijah, of course, they ask him at one point, is he? And he says, no. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you the Messiah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That same passage, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? And uh, yeah. And John always pushes uh, away. He always points away from himself, which I think is something that he got from Jesus. You know, they're cousins. You know, Elizabeth, John's mm-hmm. mother, is related to Mary, mm-hmm. so they are somehow uh, somehow related. We're not exactly. When Gabriel says to uh, Mary, "Your relative Elizabeth is pregnant," we're not really sure. If, you know, but I think almost by the process of elimination, it ends up they end up being cousins, and so Jesus and John mm-hmm. are are related to each other. So they they both yeah, their when lives they are certainly intertwined, yeah, yeah, very much so. And when they yell at people, they both yell that they're brood of vipers. Both Jesus and John use that term, which I think is <laughs> is interesting. Um, Let me ask you this about John the Baptist. Obviously, his appearance was radically different from everyone around him, right? Uh, coming from the wilderness, the way he did, so that in itself brought attention to him, right? What I mean, wh- why why did God choose that method? I wonder. Well, you know, I, I can't, I don't know if that's an, a question is answerable, but I do know that there are people who like to say, oh, John was in a scene. Well, he's not in a scene because the scenes don't wear camel hair. They wear white robes. Um, yeah. So I, I think his appearance connects him with Elijah. You know, he is a, a person who's grown up in the wilderness. Okay. He was apparently orphaned fairly early uh, in his life. Um, uh, that's, that's a tradition. What else? Um, his diet. He, yeah, he's these big desert locusts. That's like Elijah. He, um, he is very famous. Actually, he's more famous than Jesus uh, at, at this point. Even Josephus. I mean, imagine this. When Josephus is writing to the Romans to tell them what Judaism is all about, they, he includes John the Baptist. So John was, uh, was very well known. But I think the, the big point about John for me is uh, is his humility? I mean, Jesus will say, "There's no one born of woman like John." Uh, he he's he's got a huge following of people, um, and yet when they when they come to John, uh, he'll say he says this in Mark one and also John one. He says that he's not worthy to loosen Jesus' sandal, which is a, a reference to a rabbinic mm-hmm. mandate. The rabbis had mandated. Every task that a slave does for his master will a disciple do for his teacher except one. 
he cannot loosen his sandals. So the, the, the rabbis were concerned that the followers of these famous teachers, that they were becoming a little too enamored. And so they set this limit. We call this putting a fence around the law. That's what the rabbis did. So they said, you can't loosen, uh, if you're the, a follower of a famous teacher, you can't loosen their sandal thong. Well, John says, I'm not even worthy to do that. You know, and you referred to that passage, uh, you know, are you Elijah? Are, you know, are you uh, the prophet? Mm-hmm. And very humbly, John says, I'm just a voice calling in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So he, like Jesus, if he is, if they are cousins, like his cousin Jesus, he's always pointing away from himself. This person who is, you know, arguably one of the most famous people around at the time. So I, I, I admire that about uh I admire that about John. Yeah. Where did John get this message to proclaim? Well, I, you know, you have this idea, you know, again, go back to the life of Jesus. There comes a point when Jesus, as a, as, a, as a young man, young boy, is reading Scripture, and he reads a passage in the synagogue, and he realizes that that refers to him. I think that must have happened to John at one point. You know, he reads that passage in Second Kings about Elijah, Second Kings one through uh, one verse eight, um, and he identifies himself with this person whose message is you need to repent for the kingdom, the kingdom is coming. And then, um, so I think it's I think both Jesus and John understand who they are initially from reading the scripture and seeing that they they are the fulfillment of that that passage. I see, I see. When Jesus is preaching in the synagogue and, and uh, he, he, he sits down and he says, today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing, clearly he understands who he is from that passage. Um, so I think the same process, the same sort of thing happens with John. John reads these passages that, um, you know, a voice of one calling, comma, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. John realizes that's me. That's the call of God on my life. And then he 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 sets out on a very a very successful yeah in every which way uh, Jesus validates John's ministry doesn't he Ab- yeah absolutely and and the the impression that you get especially in the Gospel of John is that people are having trouble understanding what John is doing because uh, we we know about baptism in Judaism we have two two baptisms you you baptize you you immerse yourself for ritual cleansing. Or if you're a Gentile, you bab- you're baptized when you become a proselyte to Judaism. That's what we know in Judaism. Mm-hmm. A baptism of repentance, that was new. And, and I think it's part of preparing the way. You, you immerse yourself. All baptism in Judaism is self-immersion. John isn't throwing people in the water and pulling them up the way we baptize people. Um, you, you immerse yourself. And by doing so, you were indicating that you were repenting, that you acknowledged that you needed a Savior, basically. And what better way to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus than to have them realize that they were sinners? And uh, again, you have Peter saying, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Well, Peter would never have said that if he hadn't heard the preaching of John the Baptist. Well, let's open to uh, Luke chapter 7 here, Mike, and uh, this is where... John uh, says, he summons two of his disciples, the scripture says, and sent them to the Lord asking, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? What's going on here? Well, obviously John has stumbled. Um, 
he uh, he's offended. And in a minute, Jesus will say, blessed is he who's not offended in me. John has stumbled. He never thought he would end up in prison because John's in prison by this time. And I mean, imagine your cousin is is clearly the Messiah, and yet you're in prison for doing the right thing. He, you know, he's preaching against this adulterous relationship that Herod has. So um, I think John clearly, clearly stumbles. And again, remember, Wayne, this is a person who knew who Jesus was in utero. I mean, when right. John was yeah. in his mother's womb, he leapt in the presence of Jesus. Um, and and this, you know, you know, this is a big theme for me: the scandal of the gospel. How everybody who was close to Jesus, I mean, who shouldn't have stumbled? Well, Mary shouldn't have stumbled, mm-hmm. right? And and yet, at one point, you know, she thinks he's out of his mind. And certainly, John the Baptist, who from the womb knew who Jesus was, he stumbled. So everybody that gets close to Jesus stumbles. And uh, yeah, John is the last, uh, the last person in the world who should have been offended. And yet, how does Jesus respond? Jesus blesses him. Yes, he does. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at verse 24 yeah. of Luke 7. The CSB version says, after John's messengers left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See those who are splendidly dressed and live in luxury or in royal palaces? What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, See, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. And, and he goes on to say, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Uh, and that's the guy who just doubted him. So, um, yeah. you know, you... you You've got to take into account they're they're related to each other. They very well have grown up together. They know each other well. And John stumbles, and yet Jesus understands. He doesn't cut him off. You know, my response would have been, how in the world could you doubt me? But uh, that's not how Jesus uh, deals with people who who are confused and who are um, offended by him. And I like to say... If, if you've never been offended by him, you've got not gotten close enough yet because everyone who gets close to him gets offended. He fails to meet your expectations, not because there's anything wrong with wow. him, but because our expectations are wrong. And here's another example of how real the Bible is, that it tells us that part of John as well. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I, if I was making this up, I would have never included that story. <laughs> but it's true, and, 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 it's, and it's important that the people, the disciples certainly fell away. You know, Jesus would say, you know, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And John says, from that point, many of his disciples left. Uh, everyone who came close to him uh, was offended. He he was, a, Bill Lane would say, he was a disturbing presence. And John the Baptist was one of those people that was disturbed uh, by Jesus. And um, again, I'm like you, Wayne. I love the honesty of Scripture. Uh yeah. If you were making this up, you would never make it up like that. Well, Michael, thank you for the conversation. As always, we hope this has only whetted the appetite for our listeners to dig in themselves and look at these passages and begin asking their own questions, right? Yeah, I don't I don't want the listeners to just accept what we say. Go to the scriptures and see for yourself, and you will invariably see things that we've never seen. 
Well, let's conclude this, Michael, with asking you to sing another song for us here today. The song that we think fits in here is Freedom. You want to explain why we chose Freedom? Well, uh, this song could have almost been sung by John in prison. (laughs) Um, Because what the song says is, you know, uh, I'm lost. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't have the answers I need. I, what I need is freedom. And in the end, that freedom is, is the gracious gift of, of Christ to us. He's the only one that can set us free. And uh, so, so um, yeah, we thought this was a good song uh, to follow up a conversation on John the Baptist. Right. Recorded in the studio with Michael at the piano, Freedom. I am lost And I am bound And I am captive to the shame that keeps on holding me down And all I need to be found is freedom
He is your freedom. Thanks, Michael, for a fitting song to close up this part of the podcast. It's so encouraging to see the notes that listeners like you send to us. Your notes on Facebook or email let us know that God is using this time to encourage and challenge us to get serious with our walk with Christ. Could you help us get the word out by sharing our podcast link to those you know who would benefit from these sessions? We hope you'll post your thoughts on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or reach us directly where you can send your comments, song requests, or questions via email. Write to in the studio at michaelcard.com. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. What you're hearing is reflected in Michael's books, his music, and Bible conferences. And you can explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Once again, michaelcard.com. Well, there's more music and conversation coming your way as we pause for this message here in the studio with Michael Card. This month, we're featuring a wonderful resource, Every Day with Jesus, put together by a wonderful pastor, Selwyn Hughes. Here's an example of the kind of content from the very first day's devotional. Selwyn Hughes writes, if God is not our primary focus, then everything else will soon get out of focus. And there's much more in the Every Day with Jesus Daily Bible. This special CSB Bible edition combines a variety of carefully selected daily scripture readings and devotional insights like you just heard from Michael. Look for this featured resource link to Every Day with Jesus Daily Bible on our podcast page at michaelcard.com. Check out the many formats available for this study tool and get the new 40% discount code on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Invest the time and watch the way God's Word will come alive as you use this helpful daily devotional Bible. Get the link for Every Day with Jesus Daily Bible now on our podcast page at michaelcard.com. Well, Mike, we transition to a second question here today on the program, how to worship in a world of worry. We'll be talking with Ginny Owens here in just a moment, but we're going to hear this beautiful hymn. Tell me about what we're going to hear. Well, this is our group in Israel uh, at the, it's called the Pool of St. Anne. St. Anne is Mary's mother, okay? And uh, it's actually the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus healed uh, the, the kind of the man of excuses. It's a huge very deep part of the um, the water system uh, that went uh, into the temple. But you're going to hear inside this glorious church, uh, our group singing, and there's at least a 30-second echo. So it's it sounds pretty cool. All right, let's listen and listen for the echo. Holy, holy, holy.
so very, very beautiful. And uh, in a few moments, we're going to hear another clip like that. This time, Great is Thy Faithfulness sung there in Israel. So glad, Michael, that uh, Joe Carlson got to go with you on that particular trip and record some of that. Yeah, that's a a beautiful church that's right next to uh, the Pool of Bethesda. And there was an echo there that's about 30 seconds long. (laughs) That's what I was noticing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the delay was just incredible. So, hey, say hello to Ginny Owens, who joins us now, our good friend. Ginny? Hi, how's it going? Great to be here. Ginny is one of my musical heroes. I want to be just like her when I grow up. (laughs) Well, that's cool because I want to be just like you. So it all works out. Um, Mutual admiration society. Michael, let's talk to Ginny here today, and we'll hear that song in a few moments. Let's talk about worship in a world of worry. Yeah, Ginny is a, a is a wonderful leader in worship, and uh, and at the same time, she's she's just finishing up a seminary degree, and I know you've engaged with this uh, uh, the 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 darker side, how uh, what we would call wilderness worship, and uh, how to reach out to the Lord in the midst of the, our personal darkness in worship recognizing his worth. Um, just just talk to us, because I know you've thought through this. You know, I have. Um, worship, you know, we always think of as being reverence for whatever it is that we love. And I think, you know, one of the beautiful examples that we get throughout Scripture is that even in the midst of lament, uh, there is, for the most part, there is praise there is um, clinging on to God for who He is and what He can actually do and what He has done in the past. Um, there's so many passages I love about that, but one of the things that I, well, one of the stories I never forget is that story in Second um, Chronicles 20, where uh, I think it's Hezekiah is just freaking out, like, oh, so scary, they're about to be attacked and, uh, and they go to God in worship, and they praise Him for all the things He's done in the past. They praise Him because they know that no matter what, they are in His hands. And, uh, and the singers lead out on the front lines of the battle. Aren't, aren't you glad we didn't live back then? <laughs> but the singers lead, you know, praising God for all that He's done and, and all that He's going to do in, in giving them the victory. And so... I think that is such a, a beautiful example of how we can worship, even when we're not sure what's ahead, uh, and even when we don't feel like it. Uh, we still praise God, because there's just plenty to praise God for, right? We can always think of what we know of Him. Well, maybe especially when we uh, don't feel like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Always when we don't feel like it. Um, yeah. Some psalms that have been so moving to me over the years are uh, Psalms 42 and 43, uh, where the psalmist is having an especially dark time. He's remembering the good days before exile. He's remembering the days when he was getting to be with God and be with all God's people and praise Him, and he's pouring all that out to God. He's not holding back his sadness at all. And yet three different times in those psalms, he says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. And I love that because it's almost like he's saying, okay, I'm going to speak what my mind knows is true. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to sing it. And one day my heart's going to catch up and Mm -hmm. erupt in praise, even if it's not now. If I keep speaking this, 
uh, which, because I know it's true, it will bring comfort to me and, and I will eventually erupt in praise. Well, fundamentally, I understand worship as worth-ship. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's celebrating the worth of God. And for someone like one of the, the sons of Korah, this, uh, what'd you say, 42 and 43, um, mm-hmm. they, they know what God is worth. So when, when, when their hearts aren't feeling it, they still have this trust and belief and hope that um, God is the one who's, who's going to come through apart from their own inadequacies and their own doubts and their own laments. Um, he is the one who's worthy, and that's, I think, where worship comes from. That's why we can worship in a world of worry. Yes, yes, I love that. What is Jesus doing in the moment of his life when he's most being used by God? He's worshiping. He's lamenting. Mm-hmm. Why have you forsaken me? But that's a lament that comes right out of the Psalter. Um, right. So I, I, I think this idea of recognizing the worth of God is, is, uh, is the key. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes maybe it's, it's small baby steps to get there. You know, I think we tend to be so driven by our emotions and our hearts and whatever they're feeling. So I think that is why it can be so beautiful to have these things in our hearts, in our memories, uh, these words from Scripture, because we can, we can speak them when we've forgotten God's worth, which we do. Uh, you know, we know it in theory, but we, we don't always feel it. And so when we speak these words, I think it, it can really then, those words begin to speak back to us and begin to remind us of who God is, of who we are, of all that He's done for us. Um, so I, I find that a really helpful thing, too, is to just recall these well, words and, yeah. Well, it's like you said before, There, I think they call it the formula of remembrance. In, in a lot of the uh, worship songs that are laments, the, the lamentor or the worshiper remembers back to things that God has mm-hmm. done in the past. Even Mary, Mary does it in her song in Luke, and I think Simeon does it as well. They look back, and they remembered mm-hmm. how God came through for the fathers. Now, you know, that gives me hope. Uh, that tells, tells me about your worth, and that tells me that you're going to come mm-hmm. through uh, in the present for me now, even though I may not feel like it, even though I, my spiritual resources are you know, uh, at zero, that's not the point. The point is the worth of God. Right. Right. Absolutely. But let me ask you this, Jenny, in your own life, how have you experienced this? Wow. Uh, You know, I think one of the things I'm so, I've just learned to practice from reading the Psalms, and it's really been so helpful is to to go to these prayers, uh, to uh, read them when I don't feel them, um, mm. to come like God, like the psalmists have done here uh, in Psalm forty-two and forty-three, to to come before God and lay out my laments, and to truly be honest, I, I don't, you know, I think if we don't do uh, that part, if we don't come. Honestly, laying before him our doubt, our frustration, our anger even, um, we're not going to worship. We can't because there's a wall between us, you know? Uh, So I think laying out where our hearts truly are 
And then beginning, even if we don't have the words of praise, reading these words of praise, uh, reading these words even um, of the psalmist, like here where he speaks to his own soul and preaching to our own souls uh, the truth that we know um, until it seeps in, until it sinks in. I think that is, that's what I have learned to do. I tend to be, you know, as a creative, uh, a very, you know, emotional person and emotions can dominate mm-hmm. So it is very important for me to come and pray these words and know that, yes, the psalmists were also creative. They were also full of emotion as we are, uh, and yet they spoke truth. They, they preached to their own souls, and they spoke to God of His own worth. And so how much more should we do that now? Jenny and Mike, I've always uh, loved the idea that the word washes our soul, and that's Sort of what you're talking about here, isn't it, Ginny? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That it, it washes us. It, it, it speaks to us, uh, I think, of, of comfort and of hope and even just reasons with us in a way that we can't do on our own. So many times you say to yourself, I just don't understand, Lord. You know, the psalmist says, how long, Lord? And I, in our context, I don't understand what's going on around me, but... Just remind me of your truth. And as you say, even when I don't feel it, let me say it until my feelings catch up with it. I like that very much. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the big, big realizations for me was, the real, uh, was realizing that even my doubt and my frustration and my worry can be offered up as an act mm-hmm. of worship. Uh, again, on the cross, Jesus lifts up this idea, why have you forsaken me? He, he, he lifts up his honest frustration, his confusion at that point, but it's still an act of worship. I mean, that, that, uh, it, could that possibly be true? I mean, that's a big idea if it's true. I think it has to be true. I mean, we, mm. we can only come to God with who we are. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we have to come with with all that we are, um, uh-huh. and so I think if we trust Him with our hearts, yes, it is it is ascribing worth to Him. It is it is inviting Him into the middle of of our mess of our of wherever we are, um, and and expecting Him to uh, be there with us because we believe that He can be. Allow me to read this from Philippians 4 and get each of you to react to it. Um, Well-known words of Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Somebody need to hear that today. I needed to hear that today. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's one of my favorite passages. If, if you are going through dif- difficult and dark times right now, I just encourage you to hang out in Philippians 4, 4 to like 13. It just changes your life. So, uh, yes. And I think it's always important to remember when we read these passages that Paul was in prison writing, uh, you know, he's just, you know, experiencing all kinds of unfair persecution uh, and could have had all kinds of reactions. And yet praise is 
uh, his reaction and even encouraging the Philippians who are in the midst of their own struggles and their own persecution. And they're a, probably a pretty young church at this point and just learning how to live together and starting to sort of face this you know, suffering. And he's saying, no, no, rejoice, rejoice, yeah. be gentle. It's like yeah, was it, only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we do was this. Was it exactly all sunshine and roses for Paul when he wrote that, was it? No. So so we're called uh, by Scripture, even in the midst of darkness and worry, to still worship. Uh, someone like Paul lives it out for us uh, in Philippians. And so, you know, what what do you want to leave us with, Jenny? I mean, I, I still need some practical, <laughs> I still need some advice. Uh, where, where do I focus when, um, when all I have is complaint, when all I have is my worry? Uh, how do I make this turn to, 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 to worship? I think you go to God with it. You go to God with your worry. You complain to Him. I mean, the, psalm, the psalmists have left a, a legacy of this for us, right? We go to Him with all of these things. We tell Him exactly what's on our hearts. We ask Him to work in, in the midst of it. And then we, you know, we, we pull these psalms to us. We pray them. We ask God to speak what our hearts can't speak. Um, and, you know, I truly find it helpful also, um, just because I'm kind of a pragmatic person at times, I really like to write down, okay, how have I seen God be faithful this week? Um, especially when I'm in those dark times, it helps me so much to gain perspective if I sit down at the end of each day and say, I'm just going to write down the things that come to mind. And sometimes it's slow drip, you know, one thing at a time. But as you sit and pray, I, I often find, as I sit and pray, that more uh, more evidence of His goodness, more evidence of even His hand working in the small details uh, comes into my mind. And it, it truly doesn't take long for me to realize, okay, I, I have every reason to be thankful. What a great moment uh, mm. to segue back to Israel and to hear another of these beautiful hymns sung in Israel, Michael, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much. I, I know how much uh, Mike enjoys your conversation, and I do too. So thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, well Jenny, thanks for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule up there in New York City to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to help us think through this together uh, with uh, your redeemed imagination. And uh, I, just, uh, I just want our listeners to know that uh, uh, you have encouraged me uh, for so long. We were on the road together. We've, we've done concerts together, and, uh, and uh, she, you, she really is one of my heroes. We got to do that again one day. We will. We will. Awesome. Let this hymn carry you now as we go back to Israel. Great is thy faithfulness.
get any better. Where was that recorded in Israel, Michael? That's in a place called Tai Bay, um, uh, which is uh, up um, up in the north. It's north of Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up t- today's program here, and I'm just so thankful for your conversation about John the Baptist and for Ginny's conversation about uh, worship in a world of worry. You want you have some closing comments for us? Well, it, it's, it is interesting how they fit together, how someone like John, who was so significant, uh, Jesus says no one, uh, there's no one born of a woman who's greater than John the Baptist, who yet uh, was um, scandalized, was a person who stumbled, who doubted, who was in prison, who, who would have never thought that he was going to end his life having his head chopped off and given to a dancing girl. And yet, um, it fits together with this idea of 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 his of his disconnect of his worries. He apparently was still able to to uh, to be to 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 be a faithful man uh, to the very end of his life, even amidst his his struggles. Um, hmm. So, I think John is an example for all of us. Well, thanks, Michael, for helping us wrap up this hour. If this time together has been valuable for you, please take a moment and pass along your comments to us, share the link, or post a review of this podcast. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com or post your reaction and interact with other listeners on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Our featured resource this month is the unique Bible edition called Every Day with Jesus Daily Bible by beloved Welsh pastor Selwyn Hughes. In this special CSB Bible edition compiled by Pastor Hughes, you'll find a variety of carefully selected daily Old and New Testament readings and devotional insights. Invest the time and watch the way God's Word will come alive throughout the year. When you visit our podcast page at michaelcard.com, look for the link to this featured resource. See all the formats for this powerful study tool and get all the ordering details, including the new 40% discount code for your CSB purchase through Lifeway. Again, find the link to Every Day with Jesus Daily Bible available now on the podcast page at michaelcard.com. For our team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.